0: In Philippians 2, Paul tells the Philippians he plans to send Timothy to them to help them with their spiritual problems, and he says, it has to be Timothy. He's the only one I can send because everyone else is worried about their own issues. Timothy is the only one who will have enough anxiety about your well-being. Timothy's chief qualification was anxiety. Today we're going to see how following his example can lead us into deeper intimacy With Christ. Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. So that's what made Timothy qualify his anxiety. But that's a problem. Because what are we going to do with chapter 4, verse 6, which says, Do not be anxious about anything. Right? We all know that verse, right? Do not be anxious about anything. It's the same word. No anxiety allowed. Jesus said that too. Don't worry. Same word in Matthew 6. So Paul says, Timothy's the only one qualified because he's he's the only one with enough anxiety. And then he turns right around two chapters later and, and forbids us from having any anxiety. What happened? Did Paul get to chapter 4 and just forget that he used to be pro-anxiety and now he's uh, suddenly anti-anxiety? No, no. Obviously he's talking about two different kinds of anxiety, right? Jesus made the distinction. If you want to know what the two different kinds of anxiety are, Jesus made the distinction, again, in that same parable of the soils. I don't know why that keeps coming up in my mind, but it's just so, so many, so, so instructive. When he talked about the anxieties of life in Mark four nineteen, the anxieties of this life come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. There are anxieties that are specifically anxieties of this life, uh, temporal things like money and cars and clothes and education and even marriage. Things that are temporary, temporal, this life. There's those kinds of anxieties. And then there's other anxieties. There's anxieties about eternal things. That'll be forever. Anxiety has a purpose. Let's just think this through for a second. God gave us the emotion of anxiety for a reason. Uh, and the, the reason is pretty simple. It's to get get us to take care of the stuff that we need to take care of. Right? To get us to take action. So you get you get too close to the edge of a cliff. God designed you to start feeling anxious. So it's feelings of anxiety that force you to step back in the, into the safety. Um, You're tempted to procrastinate with your taxes uh, and the deadline is approaching. What gets you to finally do it? Anxiety, right? You feel the pressure. You feel this pressure that, okay, consequences. If I don't get this done, consequences. And so that pressure motivates you to go ahead and get something done that you need to get done. Student gets to thinking about the possibility of failing tomorrow's test. That puts some pressure on him and it motivates him to study. So so that's what anxiety is for, to, to get us to take action when we need to take action. That's what it's for. And when, 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 it's, when it does that, that's good. That's what it's for. When it's an area of outside of your control, and this is where our anxiety uh, runs amok, we start worrying about something that I don't even need to take action. I can't take action. It's outside of my control, or it's not my area of responsibility. And I'm still worked up about it. That's where we're, we're, we're failing to trust God. It's like that's not your realm. You don't need to worry about that. There's no reason to have anxiety. If anxiety is designed to get you to take action, if it's something that you can't take any action, then there's no reason to have it. So Matthew 6:24, Jesus said, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Verse 27, who of you by worrying can add a single cubit to his stature? The word worry is the same word, anxiety. If worrying about the consequences of not getting your work done motivates you to get your work done, that's great. But what good would it do to worry about how tall you are? That doesn't motivate you to make yourself taller, right? I mean, <laughs> you can't do anything about it. So that's outside your control. So that's an example of the wrong use of anxiety. If something's outside of your control it, or outside of your area of responsibility, don't worry about it. Trust God with it. It's his problem. And even the things that are are within your area of responsibility, if you feel enough pressure to get you to take action, great, that's awesome. But But if that pressure starts taking over, and it starts dominating your emotions and giving you ulcers and panic attacks and, you know, it takes away peace from your heart, then it's being counterproductive. It'll paralyze you instead of motivating you. And that's the kind of thing that's forbidden in Philippians 4 and Matthew 6, where we're told not to have anxiety, not to have worry. Um, If it's motivating you to take care of responsibilities, that's great. Anything beyond that, if it's taking away your peace and joy, then you've crossed the line into sinful uh, lack of trust in God. That's one way that anxiety can go bad. But there's another way. Turn to Luke 10. And here's where it's going to come become pertinent for what we're looking at today. This is the account of when Jesus was invited over to Martha's house. And it's a great example of how anxieties of this life can can become more important than eternal anxieties. Luke 10.38. It says, as Jesus and His disciples were on their way, He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to Him. Verse 39, she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what He said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Him and asked, Lord, why don't don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried. That's our same word. You're worried and upset. You have anxiety and you're upset about so many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Now, let me ask you this. Was it Martha's responsibility? Was it within the realm of Martha's responsibility to be a good hostess? To make the the preparation? Yeah. Well, sure. Yeah. That was her responsibility. It was, it was within her power to act. It was her responsibility. So what made this the bad kind of anxiety? It's an anxiety that's driving her to take care of something she needs to take care of. What made it bad? Verse 42. Jesus said, one, only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what's better. It will not be taken away from her. What was that? What was Mary doing? Verse 39. She sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. She's communing with the Lord. Mary was focused on Jesus. She's listening to him, she's paying attention to him, she's having interactions with him. And Jesus says, That is the only thing that matters. The only there's only one thing that matters in life, it's that. That's it. Now it's fine for Martha to feel pressure that Jesus is coming over to my house. I gotta I gotta I gotta sweep the floor. You know, I gotta make some preparations. I gotta I gotta get some chairs out, whatever. And for her to be motivated, that's fine. But when that pressure became so big in her heart that it made her more concerned about the dishes than about fellowship and interaction with Jesus Christ, that's where it went bad. Right? Now, it's, it's, what's the whole, what's the point of making preparation for Jesus if you're not going to interact with Jesus? All ministry should be done. For the purpose of drawing near to Christ. That's what we learned from Mary and Martha. All ministry should be done for the purpose of drawing near to Christ. If you do your ministry for the sake of having fellowship with Christ. This is because you're, say, you're saying I want to join by his side. He's working. I want to work with him at his side. And I want to have that kind of fellowship. Or I want to do this work as an expression to express my love to Jesus Christ. Then you're, you're like Mary. But if you lose sight of that. And you just get focused on the temporal, earthly aspects of ministry. Then then you're like Martha. And here's what will always happen when you do that. It will always happen. First, you'll start to resent the work. Like the priest in Malachi, who's like, what a burden. And they're doing their ministry, but they're like, what a burden this is. Then, self-pity will take over, and you'll start to resent the people around you who aren't helping. Like Mary... And ultimately, you'll start to resent the Lord Himself, which is exactly what Martha did. And, and your peace and your go- joy will be gone. And you can tell the anxieties of this life have taken over your heart when, when you're not doing your ministry for the purpose of drawing near to Christ. You can tell that happens when, you're, when, you're, when your work in ministry becomes an irritation rather than a joy. And the solution when that happens is not to stop working, it's not to stop ministering and serving. The solution is to do what Mary did. Focus on Christ. Make all your working and resting and laboring and everything else an act of fellowship with Jesus Christ, whatever it is you're doing. The solution when you get to that point is is to make sure you're doing your work as a gesture of love to the Lord. You're expressing love and enjoying time at His side, working with Him. Enjoying the fact that the power of the Holy Spirit is coursing through you Anytime you use your spiritual gifts. I'm just believing that. Trusting that the Lord Jesus Christ will do with your ministry the same thing he did with the little boy's lunch. He'll divide it. He'll feed the 5,000 with it. He'll do awesome things through it. It is impossible to have fellowship with Jesus Christ and not enjoy it. It is impossible. It cannot happen. You cannot have fellowship with Jesus Christ and not enjoy it. So if, if I'm not enjoying ministry, what is, what's, what, what is it? That, that means I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I'm Martha. I'm not drawing near to Christ in my ministry. When my work becomes oppressive and burdensome, it means I'm slipping from fellowship with Christ. I need to get my attention back on him. I don't need to stop doing the work. I just need to get my attention back on the one I'm serving. Because it is impossible to draw near to Christ and have fellowship with Christ and not enjoy it. Think about your calling. Think mainly about your ministry to the church, but also about your work, what you spend your day doing, whether it be homemaking or a job or whatever. What are the elements of that work or that ministry that feel most burdensome to you? Those are the areas where you're probably not using that work as a means of drawing near to Christ. What could you do today to change that? Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians, 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.